absolutely phenomenal. And how do you put statistics on this, Phil? This isn't measurable because this is the art of human. I think there's tears in your eyes, Raymond. It's 24th August. Welcome to Soccer in Theory with Rehan Ahmed and Mark J. I'm Ashwin Bajaj. We'll be discussing the events coming out of the world of football over the past week and look to the week ahead. You can follow us on soccerintheory.com or on Spotify and Soccer in Theory podcast. We'll begin with the continent this time, uh, PSG. All sorts of things happening there for once. There seems to be a war going on between Messi, Mbappe and Neymar. That's what you hear for the first half of the week. And the second half of the week, you see them scoring five goals. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, do you see them shaping up finally to achieve some sort of Champions League glory this, this year? I mean, either at least making it further than they have before? Yeah, I do. Um, so in the past, we sort of, I, I mentioned that I thought that this might be their year. Um, and this weekend was more uh, vindication of that thought in terms of the, I think, 7-1 against Lille finally. Um, a Lille team that uh, has lost a lot of players from their uh, league and winning team of two years ago. They weren't that great last year, but this is still a good collection of players and they made them look um, look very below average, I'd say. Um, and, but it's really the way that they they went about it. And um, I think this year, what's interesting is that institutionally from the top down, they seem to be, you know, there's a coherence and purpose about things. So whereas before with Leonardo and like a lot of drama at the club, and yes, it's almost like a Galacticos kind of, arrangement of random assorted stars the biggest names you can get um this year they have the old uh Lille manager uh who was very successful there Christophe Galtier and they've put in a sporting director and Lucas Campos who has always known what he's doing and has made shrewd moves with a lot less uh in terms of resources and so from top down I think they built a team that um, we've we've always had this issue from the, before. It's like, well, they, they have these three big three who are just do they all need the ball? Looks like you know. And last year, Messi was bad because he was dropping in on the right wing, looking for the ball, and when he'd get it, it would be like he'd play it through. Sometimes he'd find Mbappe through. Otherwise, it was completely disconnected, right? And is when Gattier, they lost possession, especially using after Messi differently this year. Um, so I, I think um, in a certain sense, there's more, I think we talk about patterns of play and sort of uh, the f initial play against Lille is a good example of the more purposeful way that he's using Messi, right? It's like a completely set play. Messi was supposed to put that ball through to Mbappe after the, the two touches before. There's a perfect ball through, perfect, you know, lob. Um, but he's still on the right wing tucking it uh, sort of dropping in and receiving the ball deep but it's uh quicker passes and not uh sort of th there's a lot more for him to find right away um in terms of square balls and diagonal balls throughout um but another thing that's very interesting is uh this, the, the looks looks really good in that midfield 
And so this the combinations that Messi has with the midfielders, if they can keep Verratti and either Vitinha or they also signed Fernando Sanchez this year, who I think has been fantastic at Lille the last few years. Um, and if you're going to have a midfield um, two, he's a, he's a great sort of someone who can get stuck in more. Um, it's bizarre that Vitinha was just kind of at Wolves, couldn't get in for a little while behind Ruben Neves and uh, John Moutinho. And now it's like, oh, here you are at PSG, sort of controlling the ball. Um, he looked great this weekend, like on the ball, turning and playing quickly. So, um, yeah, I think the ball's circul- circulating much more quickly on the team. You have two world-class wingbacks in uh, Ashraf Hakimi, who's probably the best right wing wing back in the world, especially getting forward. And, um, you know, Nuno, uh, Nuno Mendes on the other side. So when they attack together, it looks fantastic. But what I think is most impressive is once they're defending, you know, they'll score a goal and it's almost like a, a, a compact four that they're uh, falling into behind Mbappe. And you're seeing, so because of that, it's, it's like very intelligent defending from even Messi and Neymar on the wings, no excess energy, um, dropping in narrow and cutting off lanes. And then when they press together in that space in front of the center backs there, they went and won the ball a bunch of times. So all in all, it was fantastic uh, performance. Of course, not the best opposition, not champions league level stuff, but I think it bodes well in terms of what they're going to build on. They, they haven't looked so good this early in the season against halfway decent opposition in a while, I think. Right. So it seems like there's a defensive and midfield structure to support the back, the front three. And yeah, which wasn't yeah both when they get last year. Yeah. W- w- yeah. I think both when they go forward and then when they, uh, co- when they come back, it's all much well, uh, much better thought out than last year, certainly. Right. Well, we'll see how that turns out. And then next, and to, I think uh, very soon we have the Champions League draw coming up and they'll know who they're playing in the group stages. Speaking of the Champions League, it's always, you need to move to England and talk about City. They did surprise, I think, both of you. Didn't expect much from Newcastle, but <laughs> they managed to not just eke out a draw, but they were the dominant team for at least the first one hour of the match. And Credit to City for coming back, but do you think Newcastle found some chinks in their city armor, or was it one of those freak <laughs> results? I, I don't think it's a freak result, but I, I remember, I think, saying last week or two weeks ago that I've yet to see a team come out and press City um, mm-hmm. successfully. They usually do it for maybe the first 10 minutes and then realize it's it's a it's a it's a task that's not going to work, but Newcastle was able to do it. They have such, they have such a talented team and there's so much energy behind the team. And I've never seen a player run Kyle Walker. I remember there was a lot of excitement when um, City played against, um, when City was playing against uh, PSG in the Champions League two years ago, there was a lot of excitement, Mbappe versus Kyle Walker. Like, are we going to see a foot race type of thing? And it didn't really pan out. But St. Maximin had the run on him the entire match. <laughs> and it wasn't scared of him. Yeah. But between, yeah, 
when Jolinton looked incredible, Colin Wilson, Willick, Bruno Gimmerish. I mean, this is these are really top players. This the, I even thought this it's had this had the feeling of a Manchester City ten years ago mm. when the money first started coming in. And there was still it was still a loose collection of players, but this really talented um, group. And um, yeah, the, if there's a chink in in City's armor, um, I think it, it's exposed by uh, in the midfield three with Gundogan and De Bruyne and Rodri. Obviously, it's it's pretty much close to to world classes you're going to get, but there's a lack of physicality. At least, uh, at least with Gundogan, that really showed. He didn't. He he got kind of overrun by by Jolinton and Willock. Um, so I'm thinking of teams because they're all getting Gundogan's getting up there in age, and um, but they played Foden and Silva. So beyond Holland, they didn't have much of a threat um, in behind. So it seemed like they did not. They weren't as comfortable as I thought they were going to be against a, a really aggressive and skilled team. And yeah, Newcastle looks like the real deal i don't know what you think round, but i mean without injuries this is a really awesome team yeah i mean this is what i i love san max san maximum but you know he this is the best i've seen him play yeah think, yeah totally <laughs> since he's been there and I, I i do think it was like a tactical sort of the the difference is like when how do you beat city this is probably i know people are going to think that oh this is a prototype for how to beat city it only works if you have someone a winger that's on like this you know right um and not many in the world are capable or and not many teams are w- willing to give their winger this much rain to be like okay everything goes through you um the, but the reason that like we were talking a bit last time about this sort of city's inverted fullbacks and if what I guess the Pep ideology, this part of the Barca ideology is like you have your your wingers really high, your your two wingers really high, and everything that happens in between, you have that space in behind for the fullbacks. The upshot is Jao Cancelo can show himself to be a sort of world class midfield creative player, um, and Kyle Walker is supposed to be supporting on the right, right? Um, but when you have this threat, Kyle Walker has to be pinned back. And so it, the balance was completely off. And I mean, I, what, what did they have to do? There was, there was chaos at the back, you know? Um, and I don't, I don't think, I, I see what you mean. Gundogan is getting older, but it's interesting. Like his role is really this, he's not a 10, right? He's not played like a 10, but you see his positioning. It's the wingers are up and uh, like high and wide. You have your inverted full, fullbacks basically as a center mid, and Gunduan is in that attacking midfield position. Mm-hmm. He's almost posted up as if a second striker at times, right? Um, and he gets a goal that way. He he does he poaches goals all the time coming in late, but um, he's looking back to goal, asking for the ball to his feet kind of right. at times, and it doesn't work if someone's pinning your you guys back at, like right. they, like Newcastle was able to. So, um, yeah, I, I wonder if this is a blueprint uh, in terms of how to attack them because, yeah, they did look like they didn't, didn't have a response otherwise other than that De Bruyne pass. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, you got, you got this guy. What did you think of that? Oh. De Bruyne, is, De Bruyne is, is and has been on it 
on a level to himself um, for the last three or four years, in, in my opinion. I mean, he's unplayable. The fact that he still has the strength, I've never seen a player really like this. I mean, there's a, there's Zidane comparisons, obviously, but between the yeah. range of the pass and the physicality to run past people, and he almost always makes the right decision. Um, yeah. yeah. The, another thing with, with City is that, that I saw is they, they've been playing Ake, and I don't know if that's – there was talk that Ake was wanting to leave unless he got more more playing time. Um, but so I don't know if he's just trying to appease Ake or if he's just trying to work it out. But I, I thought that, you know, there's been problems with City's central defense for the past few years. And Newcastle was definitely funneling the ball to Ake. They were cutting off stones and they were saying, all right, you're the worst ball playing player out there. What can you do? And that's where that's where it broke down a lot. And then when Ruben Diaz came on after Ake got injured, um, I, I don't know. Ruben Diaz got a lot of press the first year. He was a very um, energetic player. But I don't think Ruben Diaz and Stones is, is a particularly good defensive partnership. So if there's a, if there's a, a, a weakness mm-hmm. in that team, it just seems like when teams really co- go for City, okay, more times than not, City will just outscore them. But there's a real defensive kind of uh, fragility fragility there especially with Jacques Cancel's you know he's basically a number 10 playing left back Kyle Walker's getting up there in age um it, it just I, we're, we're really kind of you know really stretching to find a weakness in a team that's almost completely perfect um, I mean I'm looking at their starting 11 as we speak it's almost what you might just pick <laughs> you can pick any any player yeah it, but it wasn't much of a stretch like Newcastle really made them look worried the you know from from one nil onward it was like Newcastle I think had a good foothold even without the ball um and I think the I think Diaz and to me Diaz and Stones is a great central central defensive partnership in a normal back four but because you know every time they were hitting them on the break they looked like that's not the Diaz isn't the guy you want making recovery runs in this in like that center defensive center midfield kind of location when max say maximum is coming inside and you know doing step overs and stuff yeah and the the thing is to 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 make the point with psg like psg i think there is a i'm i'm much more skeptical about their their team than than both of you seem to be the five in the back with sergio ramos uh, that's a good point Ramos I need to see that. This season. <laughs> but and, and and Verratti, yeah, and Verratti and Vitinho, it's just, I mean, okay, Fernando Sanchez gets in the team, but that, I mean, Neymar and Mbappe and um, Messi don't defend, so you have Verratti and Vitinho trying to do. I mean, that just seems like if a team gets in and around them, like Newcastle just did to them, they might be trouble. But the thing with the PSG is there, there is a more cohesion in terms of. When they press, they looked really good, but they also sat back for long periods of the time, and then mm. you know they scored several goals on the on the counter, which City just seemed extremely reluctant to do. It's just not in Pep's DNA, and when you don't do that and you're pressing like wildly, you need you need you basically you need to get the ball back quickly, and with Foden, Silva, Gundogan pressing players that are both really athletic and really skilled. Um, it just seems like there's a vulnerability um, 
there almost almost inherently and they still don't create it seems pretty simple like when, when you when you watch psg you see they create the space in behind for mbappe to run into and they just have messi feed it through like you sent me that article okay messi has the most through balls in europe the last few years and it seems pretty simple but holland is the same same type of player as mbappe in terms of undefendable in behind and they just don't create that space for him um and i i just wonder if teams are starting to figure out the, you know figure out that system and it's hard to tell because the caliber of player on city is just so high that even if these clever managers with lower teams have figured out how to beat them they still have to you know the players on the field still have to outcompete them and uh, that's just only going to happen very rarely but it was exciting to see it happen with the newcastle team you guys have talked about midfield problems with city and mark you, you don't seem very appreciative of stones or <laughs> bs um which which is an easy segue into liverpool who had a shock result i suppose and and both I think the midfield and the defense was exposed. Van Dyke seems like he's a little uninspired. And Henderson and um, they didn't play Fabinho, but Henderson, Milner, they we've been talking about the problems that they've Liverpool's been having with them. What do you make of that result? I mean, it's obviously not something that anyone expected, but anything that came out of either United, especially Liverpool, as to what they need to do? They seem to be the team in crisis right now, or a mini-crisis. Um, yeah, the, just to be, you know, to keep the thread going from last week, Liverpool's midfield is, it's, it has to be in crisis. It has to be in crisis mode, because James Milner, I'm thinking about, I was just thinking about the James Milner versus Modric James Milner is like the English Modric. He's the most, you know, <laughs> getting up there in age. And this is just what it looks like. And it's it was so bad. Like he's he's really running around like it, but his touch, uh, he, he lost the ball um, a lot. And Henderson is really not 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 too far behind him. And yeah, Harvey Elliott looks like a promising prospect. I mean, it's hard to really judge him um, so early, but that's. That's a midfield three that even United was able to impose themselves on. So, yeah, like we've been saying since, you know, for the past few weeks, it seems like there's a really a large potential for a major drop-off. Um, it didn't help that, you know, Nunez headbutted a guy in the face for, for no reason. And had to, and so they had to, <laughs> they had to put Firmino in there. But, yeah, yeah. So Van Dijk... Uh, Van Dyke did look off it for the first time in a while, and James Milner was really giving him a go. If you guys saw that, it, yeah. was, it was almost un- uncomfortable. Um, it was uncomfortable watching. Um, but um, it seems like, yeah, there's nothing coming from the midfield. Um, and so there, it's just a series of frenetic, like, long balls. And so unless they score, unless they convert those chances, it just cre- creates an opportunity where I, I am obviously surprised by the result, but... Um, only, but I'm surprised more from United's side. It seems like Liverpool have been um, pretty vulnerable for the first uh, three weeks. So, yeah, we can talk more about United if you want. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, there's a question. I mean, I know that, well, with United, it's still early days. You don't know whether this is going to be something that they build off or, you know, they lose to, I think they're playing Southampton next week. Who knows? And then you're back to square one. But, 
they had only 30% possession in a home game. They managed to win, and I think they had one more chance, which they should have put away. Elanga missed a pretty simple chance right in the beginning. Yeah, but yeah. there are things, this is not some keystone performance, so to speak. And if you have 30% of the possession, you do imagine at least some of your games will require a focal point striker, right? Like Ronaldo. So the thing is, I mean, if Ronaldo wants to stay, I mean, we don't know whether he wants to or whether whether he will be able to leave at all. But does he have a role in this game? I mean, I want just to meld that into your thoughts. Does he have a role in this team at all? Or is he going to be a last 15-minute player just to see out minutes? Because if you are going to have such little possession, then usually you need a striker way ahead to sort of do something, right? Hold up, play, and build from there. It's, it's, it's not really a... Uh, it's, it's, it's not the kind of setup where you're going to have Ericsson, Fernandez, and Rashford being effective at all times when you have such little possession. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know if you need Ronaldo if you're going to be a counterattacking team. Uh, it kind of it, it, the the key was if you it was almost like a it, we wouldn't have expected a pipe dream to think that Sancho and Mar- Martial and Rashford could come come good and kind of if they did though what would it what would it look like it would be a counter-attacking team um, they were successful as a counter-attacking team against bigger clubs in the last few years you know when they had Solskjaer and it was kind of annoying that they couldn't they looked terrible when they played a mid-table team or a lower team but suddenly you know they play Chelsea and uh, they they get one on the counter that way so including before Ronaldo came back um so that's the one thing that these guys could still do and maybe they they showed what they could do without Ronaldo in that in that it, it's good that Marcus Radford finally so, came so in a word scored. no place for Ronaldo in this team yeah. in a word I just think if but this is the <laughs> thing they can't they're not playing Liverpool every week so right. I think against the big teams he, they don't need him Against the smaller teams, all of their problems still exist. It's, it's funny. I, I I was making a note while I was watching that game, and my note was, man, Marcus Rashford is terrible. And as I write the note, he scores a goal on the counter. And I was like, ah, oh, jeez. But, yeah, I don't – Rashford, he, he's, he'll get the headlines for the goal, but he looks – to me, he looks really off. He looks really off it. Like, he, he's, he tried to run at people. Um, he, he lost the ball pretty pretty continuously. He, he there was yeah. there was a real spark to his play a few years ago. I remember even like when Zlatan got interviewed, he's like Marcus Rashford is the future of English uh, English football, and now I, I don't really see it. Sancho, we've seen a bit more potential, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see that much from. I, I still my yeah, point no. with with Ronaldo. My point with Ronaldo remains, which is that. Okay, this was a more energetic performance, but wages aside, he's still, in my opinion, far in a way their best player. So unless they're going to bring in someone very shrewdly with whatever wages they can get if they sell him, um, or what, with whatever money they get if they sell him, it seems like it, it seemed to me before this game that getting rid of him is threatening to for the entire seams to come apart to deteriorate into like a lead situation. 
But off the backs of this, I mean, they brought in Casemiro. So if they take out McTominay and then you have a midfield of Casemiro, Erickson, Fernandez, I mean, I, I still I still think there are huge problems there. Um, and you're you're really relying on Elanga to kind of really come good right away, which I haven't. I mean, he looks all right to me, but um, I'm not, I don't think that's something defenses are overly afraid of. Yeah. Still, Sancho, Rashford, Elanga. Because we saw, I, think... I would be getting, sorry, just to continue, last second is like, I would be making more of United, but Palace, who also are a very good team, they also shredded Liverpool last week. Uh, or you know, in in a very similar manner, so I wouldn't be going on about the excesses of United on the counter. Like Zaha was able to get in um, with, with ease um, yeah. in, in the same way. Yeah, and that was a better Liverpool team. That's the thing. I was just gonna say that. Like, it. I think it's more of a case of Liverpool in possession means you know at even a poor United if they are disciplined enough and counter well, they could they could score. And then on top of that, this was a poor Liverpool in possession. I think Milner was terrible, and <laughs> like, and it's really showing. Yeah, the part where he gets in like Van Dyke's face. Yeah, Van Dyke had a poor, poor game and shouldn't have done a bunch of things. But I think it was just frustration. Like you're yeah. looking at the thing, like I'm Virgil Van Dyke, and this is you know this guy. <laughs> like <laughs> it was like I thought about it in like five aside. Sometimes I kind of give up when the guy in front of me is just like pressing too hard and you can see it in slow motion like yeah broke down but when Sancho gets the ball you know he's not going to like fire it right away and it is great composure but there is also an element of like a lack of confidence in not taking that on right away and like because normally if if uh if Miller doesn't overcommit and just stands his ground that what where's Sancho going to go you know right so so I think Van Dyke when he just stood there he was just watching that and he saw it a mile away and then he was like come on man just like ease up and we'll be fine um, <laughs> you know so. everyone's talked about Van Dyke and Milner I mean the desperate tackle which didn't work and then Van Dyke's not <laughs> pressing no one's actually commented on Elliot if you see Elliot's role in that move yeah He's watching and it's almost like he's the cameraman, you know, he's admiring the whole play. And then he realizes, oh, okay, this chap feigned. So maybe I should get in there. And by that time, it's too late. But you know, that, I, it just struck me because you never see that in Liverpool in the last three years where yeah. you don't have this really high octane midfield where everyone's closing down at all times. There, I mean, obviously, it was a good move and smart way of uh, Sancho to finish. But it was too much time, and this is eight yards from the goal. It's just surprising that a Klopp team, especially this Klopp team, which has the kind of players, can can allow that to happen. So there's obviously a drop in the midfield, which which uh, must be concerning for Klopp because, um, well, I mean, he still has to deal with Mane leaving and. Right. Oh, that's going to yeah. It's Ashford, not to beat a dead horse, but it it seemed this week this is a perfect game for Mane. This is a mm. this is a this is a Mane game where the game because Trent Alexander Arnold is he, he's elevated his game seemingly to another level. <laughs> like he's the I mean he's is he's, he's the only thing I can think of in terms of close to De Bruyne. The balls that he's whipping in are are really. Um, a marvel to watch, but Liverpool have become completely reliant on it. They just funnel yeah. the ball to him and he just hits a 40-yard ball every time he gets it. And as good as Diaz is, I, 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 it's 
pretty clear that he's world class, but um, it's it's not the kind of it's not the he doesn't bring the same composure to to the game. It's a very high octane way that, that he's playing, and he likes space, and he likes to cut in, and he likes to move with speed. So it's just the whole the whole energy of the team is way too frenetic. And and when they were at their best, they had Wijnaldum, they had Henderson, you know, five years younger. They had yeah, they had a younger Keita, they had a younger Fabinho. Um, it just seems like, and Salah seems like, it, it. I mean, if he's if he wasn't taking their penalties, um, I think we everyone would have noticed a big drop off from him already last year. Yeah. Definitely. So you're asking this front line to do to do a huge job, and uh, Nunez, I don't know. I mean, he headbutted the guy right in the. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that. that was, yeah. It was it was completely uncalled for. It was like a bar fight kind of thing. He's um, so well. you need this guy to slot in and get you. He's playing well, but yeah. you need he needs to get twenty goals right away in this team, or else you, I think I, I think mean, even yeah, I, I really think slot. yeah, like even Mane on this team, it's just the drop off in the midfield is precipitous as compared to the last few years. You know, you can't if Tiago and if Fabinho's in there and Tiago is healthy, then it's a different conversation. But Milner is like this version of Milner and this version of Henderson playing on the right side or the left side, whatever, the, the opposite side of what he's used to, it was just atrocious. And I don't think this is, like, uh, they can't play a possession game and try to try to find any, any you know, gaps in the defense in a game like this. It was, it was never going to happen. Didn't matter who's up top. Well, I guess they haven't started very well, Liverpool. But remember, they didn't start well last year either. And of course, if these players have dropped off in the way we're suggesting then um, Klopp has a problem. But one thing that you have, even in the last two games before this, this would come as a surprise, but they have come back from a goal down. One of those was they were a man down as well and they managed to draw a match. I know that's that's not what, I mean, that's not the conversation that you generally have when you're talking about Liverpool and you more thinking about how comfortably they're winning. But I think there's there's still something to be gotten out of that. You managed to come back. That does show a team which needs a bit of tweaking and perhaps the manager needs to have a talk with, with especially Van Dyke. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably may not be as dire as you guys are making out, especially when last year they were off the pace for quite a while and then they were 10 minutes away from winning the league. So let's, <laughs> let's see. That's true. Um, you guys talked about Casemiro coming in. Um, well, we don't know what... I mean, well, of course, he's a great player to bring in, even though he's getting on. But and we'll know how Ten Hag uses him and what role he plays in United over the coming weeks. But do you think Madrid will miss him at all? I mean, with they're the other, they're defending champions of the Champions League. Um, do you reckon that Chaumeni and Kamawinga are going to slot in easily or do you do you see some period of adjustment there ancelotti by the way has said he's not going to buy a new player to replace uh mm. casemiro so the squad is what it is right now yeah i mean ran and i were actually together watching watching madrid play this week um i think it's a really bit of it, it's a i i think getting rid of him was actually the right move um because they got a ton of money for him um, and it's the type of thing Madrid just seems to be going about things very sensibly because right. it 
in, in any kind of transition like this, there's a risk. There has to be a, a risk. You can't just continuously. That that seems to be the thing with City. They they have an endless amount of money, so they don't ever really take risks. They buy a player and then they leave him on the bench for three years and they give him time to to phase in. If he doesn't work out, they just buy a new player. Like Sané, like they just sold. So I mean, what you know? There's so much. So with Madrid, it's there's much more sensible. Like play Chalmini, play Kamavinga, rotate in Cruz and 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 um and Modric. Um, and I I think. You're obviously they're going to miss him in that Casemiro's over the last five years with Conte, you know, the best. I remember they, they there was talks they wanted to sign Conte and the Madrid hierarchy said, we already have the best, you know, central defensive midfielder in the world. Um, and so that's how highly they ranked him. And so obviously they're going, there's going to be a period of, of transition, but, but there has to be, um, I, I think. And I see Chamini and Kamavinga as um, there's huge upside in terms of, Every side it started of the game. really I mean, well. Don't you though. think, Ryan? I mean, it, it, yeah, Madrid have I mean, started they really well. Me. They're they're looking as good as they were last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the Celta team was just playing them straight up, and it was it was impressive to see them thinking, you know, we can beat them if we just <laughs> if we possess and go forward, and they they had the better of of attacking play for large parts of the the first 60 minutes even you know um but it's just you compare now when you talk about an effective counter-attack like okay city against a poor liverpool is what we were talking about but this counter-attack is really really efficient mm. and mm. and that's what with madrid i think it is yeah like mark was saying a huge risk i think it might bite them later in the champions league just that that you know chamani hasn't fully he's still what 19 right and he hasn't fully um, settled into a brand new league and everything, uh, big, big le high level. Um, and no, he's, he's 22. Okay, fine. It feel like, <laughs> feels like 19. You know? He's been there for a while. I'm just like, like, it's, been, it's been like three years that he's just been, you know, attached to every single big name club, yeah, yeah, um, like potential signing. But, but yeah, so like in other case, it's a, it's a big club. It's a big step up from uh, league on. And uh, yeah, at times they're not, it's not the same as having Casemiro. It's, he's going to make mistakes with progressive passing and stuff. Um, and picking the ball off, off of the center backs. But yeah, I don't know. It's, they're so good at the counter that it might just not matter as yeah. the season goes on. And like, when we talk about like Vinicius and oh, man, he looks, he looks yeah, on. This it's unbelievable. season, it's unbelievable. They also they have they have Alaba, who you know he can slot in in central yeah. midfield too. They have yeah. so much quality because they Cruz and and Modric well, obviously it seems. Well, go ahead, yeah. Well, no, I was just gonna say on the Vinicius thing, just because we're talking about ways to beat City in like the Champions League, right? And we mentioned like Sam Maximan, Vinicius is the the person on that level that I think can break. It can force cities inverted wingers back and inverted fullbacks back into proper fullbacks right. and wreak right. havoc in a way and then when we you discuss like Gundogan not being up for it or the the susceptibility of the city midfield these younger players can just like they did last year when Camavinga came off the bench against the city um this could be the formula like Madrid comes up against city again I think in the Champions League Madrid uh has the 
the Newcastle yeah, formula yeah. on steroids. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They seem just like a perfectly coherent team. It's perfectly balanced um, from top to bottom for me. Um, they even they, they didn't even have to play. Yeah, they didn't even have to play uh, Rudiger this week. So you know they could they could just um, you know slot slot in another central defender. I mean, it just seems really good because like you're saying, Ashwin, is there a risk? But let's say Chalmany completely flops. They still have Kamavinga. He could slot into that role, right. and they still have Cruz and and Modric and Kamavinga, Cruz and 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 Modric. I mean, Kamavinga came on, um, you know, in, in the 60th minute uh, onwards in in those key championship Champions League matches. So he's already proven himself at that level. Um, and you keep waiting for you know uh, Modric and Cruz to to have that dip in form. Like even the commentator said, you know. A few years ago, if you told me that Casemiro would be the first one to leave, uh, you know, I, I would have told you you're crazy because obviously it's going to be Cruz or Modric. But and and like Ryan was saying when we were watching it, there was no need for the player defending Modric to fall down to that shoulder faint on the on the goal he scored. <laughs> but the fact that he's still doing this to people, and I mean, just the Milner comparison is really apt. I mean, he looks. He lo- he looks like if he's if he could be only be playing every other game or so or or ninety minutes every two weeks that he's still at a level that you know a city type doesn't want to play against him. Vinicius is undefendable. Benzema is is Benzema, and they have Valverde um, just giving a lot of dynamism to that right side um, and tucking in when when needs be. If if the midfield isn't isn't clicking, Valverde just clicks in, um, just checks in, and you know adds some more muscle into it. It just seems like a perfect a perfectly sensible team for the future and for the present. It's really good balance. Right. And of course, I mean, when you think about smart buying and selling, there's no one better at it than Perez. He gets right. rid of players at the right time. There's no sentimentality. There's, <laughs> no bring, there's no sentimentality at all. I mean, getting Ronaldo back for some romantic end to his career nothing like Not that <laughs> also i think he he realizes he has a very good understanding being at madrid for so long and having um watched how players uh their levels rise and fall he has a very good sense of when you can't get any more out of a player right. like he got varan he sent varan away last year and he gets yeah, good true. money for this kind of thing right um there's, I mean, they've basically gotten everything. They've recovered whatever they've spent on Chaumeni and um, Kamavinga in yeah. these in these in these sales, right? And you've basically replenished your midfield. Casemiro, great player, really excellent um, servant to the club, has sort of won everything there is. But at a certain point. After you won five Champions Leagues, whether right. you have that much to give, who knows? And Ashwin, we can we can talk more about Barcelona in the future, but just compare the sensibility of Absolutely. the way Madrid is handling this. Okay, you have a young player, you get rid of Casemiro. They bring in De Jong, Busquets is still hanging around. Okay, you have okay, Ansu Fati. Yeah, <laughs> but you have all of these players on Barcelona. You have Ansu Fati, you have Gavi, you have Pedri. Instead of just trusting these players to play, you buy Rafinha, 
you buy Traore and then let him go. You buy Memphis Depay and then try to let him go. You buy Aubameyang. It's like this is an organization that doesn't have. So obviously there has to and be just, some risk. Just to add to that, Mark, the thing is what you hear <laughs> most often about Barcelona is how they want to bring Messi back next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, talk about one guy dismissing, you know, a kid's question whether he wants to get Ronaldo back and he says he's 38. That's what Perez said. And here, every week you hear news about how Laporta wants to bring in a 36-year-old Messi next year. Unbelievable. Messi <laughs> has gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it just seems like there's a there's a... There's a logic to the way Madrid is going about things. Um, and I, I really like their team, man. I really like their team. Um, I, to me, at this point, it seems like the, the best the best of the top teams. Because, um, yeah, they, they, were, they were playing this week and uh, Celta really came at them. And Celta was a really top team. They're possessing the ball. And um, it just, it's what Ryan was saying. It's that dynamism on the counter. It's a real ruthlessness on, on the counter, which maybe City will have this year, um, if they can if they can get Holland fully in the mix, but it seems like that's um, them and PSG in terms of the absolute quality they have. They don't have to boss. Um, they don't have to boss the midfield, so it's a little less pressure on Chalmany and Kamavinga. They they can. I mean, I think they were even outpossessed in the first half to to Celta, and um, it didn't really it didn't really matter because they have um, they just have this X factor. Um, and and they have a sort of when City goes down, you know, when City was down against Newcastle, it seemed like the whole the whole organization was flustered. The whole team was flustered. Is this really happening? What do we do? Get back. And Real Madrid's like, okay, Celta has the ball, no problem. Just tuck in, you know. <laughs> like it, it's just a it's it's a completely different um, composure um, to the team. Well, they ran out winners four one. Barcelona also interestingly, I mean, put in a better performance, managed to win four one away to. Sociedad and a goal and assist for Fatty uh, off the bench. Lewandowski also scoring his first couple of uh, official goals. Do you think that was a better performance? It um, had more bite to it than last week's draw? Yeah, so I think just like, uh, you know, the scoreline was deceiving in the Madrid game, where I think Celta did a lot of good things and we saw how it it was uh, it wasn't all easygoing for Madrid Madrid, but there were just too much for them on the break. And in the end, this is a superior team. Um, it's in in many ways. Um, although if Celta was more clinical, it could have been a different story. In the Barcelona game, it was not easygoing for Barcelona. For you know, they the De Jong was slotted in in the. Finally, you know, Busquets is out. De Jong gets his chance at that holding midfield role. And sure enough, he makes a mistake in the, for the first goal where he lingers too long on the ball and then asks for a phantom foul. I mean, as a major De Jong fan, this is like the worst thing that could have happened. I was so frustrated that, uh, and like upset. And you could see De Jong, the rest, it affected his confidence in that first half. Um, but Price sure enough. Price down 5 million, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like the, but I mean, it, it was interesting because again, with um, you know, <laughs> they played both Dembele and uh, Ferran Torres uh, outside of uh, Lewandowski, but you know Lewandowski got his early goal, and it was one of those things where 
Dembele was not on. And so when like when you have that, uh it's it's kind of uh like he it, it's frustrating because the final product isn't there, but you compare that to Ferran Torres, who also wasn't on, and it's it just Dembele. You get the spark where he scores the goal once they put Fati on and right. change up the system somewhat, and um, it's like, oh, these guys can combine. Whereas Ferran Torres, that uh, lack of the the lack of confidence is there, um, and the first touch was just heavy a bunch of times. Where even when he had space, it was like. Uh, this is I don't really know what what what's going to happen around around those wingers in general Rafinha Dembele but I get the sense that if Ansu Fati I like what Javi's doing in terms of not just throwing him in there because he has had such a bad time with injuries you know he is the best of the bunch but I think he needs to limit his minutes early in the year um, and so I think at the end of the day, it's got to be Ansu Fati on the left and Dembele on the right as your sort of um, your your main players and your main wingers. And I think they'll be fine with those guys high and wide. And Pedri looks world class. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness! When in that for that first goal was just the composure in your own final in your own third to sort of pick out the the ball there. I I think also the Balde, eighteen year old left back actually is 18 um unlike uh the <laughs> many who seems like he's 18 uh, but like so i don't know that he's a long-term Jordi Alba replacement but it's nice that he's very capable filling in you know the run right. on the for the first goal so it's a matter of if they just let their own youth play and don't shoot themselves in their foot um the, the team would be fine but they insist on shooting themselves in the foot of course with these signings uh, like Mark yeah, after out. a bit of a hiatus, it seems like La Masia is producing yeah. a couple of players again, right? Yeah. Oh, and just to mention the Sociedad, like they, the ju- the way that they defended Barca, it was very impressive also throughout the match. Um, and I think they just like didn't they they defended to win the ball deeper. And with Barca again, these high and wide wingers, the same Manchester City and that aspect of it is is constant right you have your high and wide wingers and they're going to attack um so they they didn't press they dropped off but then when you got in that final third they they collapsed together and mm-hmm. sort of won the ball time after time Lindormand against Dembele in that first half was just incredible so that is part of it that you know when you see Dembele lose the ball it's because partly because of that but then they once they put on the fourth attacker on Zafaki it was just just too much I think like I think the, the comparisons between Pedri and Iniesta I thought were kind of overblown but seeing Pedri this week he is on a different level from pretty much everyone because all the talk about De Young and I made like a hyperbolic ass- assertion last week on De Young as their best player but you see when Pedri gets the ball already the defenders don't want to come near him and I don't think he I saw him miss a, a single pass that week so they have that they have that it looks like that's a more consistent inter- you know in other words the, it was more about the potential these last couple of years but it seems like he's ready to be their their um their main guy in the midfield and i i we were excited with dembele at, at dortmund um but i think it's more than the final product not being there because when i think about the final product not being there i think about 
someone doing everything right and then getting to the final moment and then taking a bad shot or missing missing the key pass. I mean, Dembele just looks it looks chaotic from the moment he gets the ball. And in a team that was lower down in the table, that would be fine because you accept you need you accept the the that he's going to lose the ball, but he gives you this X factor. Barcelona don't necessarily need um, that X factor, or they or they shouldn't in order to justify someone who's going to lose the ball half the time he gets it. Um, so it's a very strange. I understand what you're saying in terms of giving Fati time to slot in, but it's it's just very the whole forward the whole forward line seems to me. Um, to still be chaotic. Like, I made the point last week. They're just playing at different speeds. Dembele is playing at a different speed than other people. Uh, Rafinha is playing at a different speed. Fati comes in, he wants to slow things down. So sometimes it's going to sink with, like, with that beautiful back heel Fati gave him. But other times it just seems, like, un- uh, unnecessary. Um, and if they're going to yeah, be playing... I mean, there was I another mean, just... point. Sorry, bro. No, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say like you know when they're when they're high and wide and sort of the the point is to get the ball to the winger to sort of take someone on and come inside, right? Yeah. There's another point in the match where Dembele was high and wide on the right. He beats his man, really nice stop and go, and you figure, oh, you're in, you're inside, and you know exactly what he's trying to do. Just right. curl it, place it far post, and he gets it all wrong. Yeah. And it's that level of inconsistency that it's like, well, do you? Uh, do you take that from someone who you know is capable of pulling out, you know, beating two and scoring on another right. time? Like, right. what you have to play percentages. And, but, but it's been uh, a while since yeah, you've done that. I mean, beating two and scoring. You did that a couple of times in the yeah. friendly matches in the summer, but it's been a while. I mean, second half <laughs> of the year, he was doing that regularly. And then he scores the goal today, or, I mean, in that match, yeah, right? But... Where it was like, comes onto it on like strong low left foot drive that's uh do you remember, like you remember yeah. do you remember when uh when the famous barcelona loss to liverpool i, th- I think we talked about this exactly, years yeah. ago where he shanks they're it. up three nil they're up three nil it's yeah. like the 90th plus five minutes in the first leg and messi charitably gives Dembele an open net tap Puts in and starts for himself and he sh- shakes it at the goal yeah so yeah. Messi lay down on the floor there, and he, <laughs> even though they won 3 0. He had a premonition that this is not he enough. <laughs> but yeah. let me say some one thing to respond because to De Young, because he's our he's our he's our boy and everything. Like he did make the mistake and you called it a phantom foul, but I think he actually was he was fouled. Um not that it should he, regardless of whether he was fouled or not, he shouldn't be doing what he was yeah, what he was yeah. doing, which is taking on two players when when the when the back line is stretched. But he, he kind of did get his calf clipped or whatever. But the thing yeah. is, his confidence was rattled, and they've put him into such a difficult situation. Like if Chalmini to just keep making the comparison, if Chalmini makes a big mistake or something like that. Real Madrid, it's not going to go in complete panic stations. Oh, like what, what? We've signed the wrong man. Like what are we doing? It's just okay. There's a development period or whatever. But De Jong, they put him into this like fire, this fiery situation where his every move is scrutinized. And I think he is good enough for it to handle the pressure. Um, but the point is, the angles that he creates is gives them a completely different uh, midfield structure than Busquets. Busquets just sits there. But De Jong achieves the same passing percentages, but he gets the ball, plays, moves, create a different angle. Pedri comes in, Gavi comes in, um, 
and and it's such a more dynamic midfield. So unless, insofar as he's not going to be giving the ball away, I think they're way. I don't know what you think, Ashwin, but I think they're significantly better with with him on the team. I thought it was a godsend that that Busquets got red carded, and then I was thinking, well, maybe they screwed it up with this. <laughs> he gave the you know he made the fatal mistake um, in that match, but I really hope they stick with it. Oh yeah, he has to play. He's one of their best performers over the last two or three years, and. And in any case, I mean, you need a replacement, right, for Busquets. He may not be a Busquets-like player, but he is someone who's slotting into midfield um, and and energizing it in, in the way that Busquets can't anymore. So, But do you see um, Barcelona uh, challenge? Well, if not challenging Madrid, but let's just say, let's just keep it more modest. And are they going to do better in the Champions League than they did last time, at least reach the quarterfinals, which we've, always thought that that's a minimum over the last 10 or 15 years but last year they got dumped in the group group stage so do you, do you expect them to do a little better this time i mean it depends on the group of course but let's just consider they and one other good team versus two pretty ordinary ones um any yeah i think i think they'll be fine i mean the I was just reading that they're going to try to, they'll get Kunde registered by tomorrow. They'll, you know, sell off whatever TV rights for the next 6,000 years <laughs> in order to achieve it. But the back line, I mean, Eric Garcia couldn't get a sniff when he was at City, except for randomly the Champions League quarterfinal when he was, or the, when he was slotted <laughs> in by Pep to a five in the five in the back random <laughs> if you remember um yeah. against uh, against Depay's old team. But aside from that, he didn't look right and he doesn't look quite right um for Barcelona as either. So I think the back line they have to kind of shore up. But now that they have Lewandowski, the goals are gonna that that's the difference this year, right? They'll they'll they can get a couple scrappy goals even when things aren't aren't going well. So I still I still think on their day, they can they can beat anyone. Um, it's just a matter of how quickly Gavi and De Young. I mean, Pedri's already up to speed. Gavi and De Young need to reach world class levels for this for that midfield three to to justify its complete lack of defensive capability in front of a shaky back line already. Yeah, and I think like if they incorporate Kessie in, that's right. going to be a big thing too because he adds so much. Um, in terms of like attacking minded center midfielder who can also like win the ball and move around. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kessie didn't go there to sit on the bench, did he? Yeah. I mean, mean, it could be like the psychology of some of these players, but like I can't imagine Kessie or Depay or Aubameyang went to Barcelona to to sit on the bench um, in the, you know, when close enough to to the time of their careers. But yeah, but I mean, I understand they're trying to get rid of them, but uh, I'm I'm saying in in all of these big teams, you have cer- certain players that just sit on the bench. <laughs> like, remember what you were saying they were trying to sign sign Carlos Vela last year to to sit on the bench and uh, yeah, like you know. So I'm just imagining that what they told Kessie when he came to the team had to be you're 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 going to slot right in, um, so or or close enough to that. Um, I would imagine, anyway. Well, um, Madrid, Liverpool, City, PSG. 
these seem the challenges. What about buy-in? Do you reckon that, again, it's a league where three games in, you seem to know that, okay, it's going to go the, the way the last 10 years have. But And, of course, this year, Dortmund is, is it seems like it's not up to speed at all. They lost 3-2 um, <laughs> winning after winning till the 88th minute by a couple of goals. So, what do you reckon? I mean, Bayern, they've lost Lewandowski, of course, who we've spoken about, and they haven't really replaced him, but they are scoring five to seven goals a match, but do they, do they look <laughs> good enough to challenge the four or five big teams from across Europe? Yeah. They do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. so. Don't you think so? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, just a quick shout to Dortmund. Um, I think they're not built to win anything this year, but uh, this guy, uh, Jamie Bino Giddens, oh, yeah, 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 the, yeah. the <laughs> English 18 year old left, wing, left winger, he looks incredible. Um, so they've got a you know, someone who might be better than Jaden Sancho when all said and done in that <laughs> playing on that left wing. So, um, he did that little inverted elastico when we were watching Oof. whatever that was he, he's he, he'll be something um but otherwise they don't look very good at all um but yeah i think the the Bayern thing is just money it, it's not like losing Lewandowski is major uh and it structurally sort of changes everything goes through him and one thing maybe that might work out barcelona wants the wingers get used to how they should play with Lewandowski in the run of play as a focal point you know because you can use him so much more than uh you know once you get used to playing with him uh, the thing is Mane is a very different type of player but he's incredible and has slotted right in there and is interchangeable with like Gnabry came off the bench and shredded things Jamal Musiala looks like he's making the step up right into just world class and you know what they had is just getting stronger like Dilik looked, looks happy he scored um, like so, you've got Delict and Upamecano. I mean, this team is, and you can't, Kimmich just gets better and better. I don't know how to. Um, yeah, it's 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 a machine, but um, I think because having lost Lewandowski, I still think they're they're a step below. Like I would say, the City and Real Madrid of the world is should be favorite over them. Musiala, I think he's going to win the Kepa, the Young Player Award that France football gives out. I think they'll go to him. I don't see any other performer who, in that age group who's done as well as, and looks as convincing as, as he does. Also 19. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the, the, talk about like a really good balanced team in terms of the age composition they have delict and upa Makano in the back i mean two of the probably the most highly rated probably the two of most highly rated young central defenders uh, in europe they have neuer very old and, and muller very old and aside but from Mark, them, just, just just to, to to like press on that a bit delict had three pretty ordinary years and you went to like well, what's yeah, going to change yeah. over here like does he look no. Do you think this team sort of suits him better? I mean, I, I don't see how Juventus doesn't suit a defender, but um, <laughs> what do you reckon? Like, what do you think is going to change the way? Does he 
is it just one of those freak things which didn't work out and yeah, I, I don't know better? i don't know like i i i maybe ryan has more insight but i i remember watching that ix team and thinking um, that there were sure. four or five there were four or five complete shoe-ins to be like you know european elite and it hasn't worked out for a single one of them so delict delict was highly rated by everyone yeah. you know he was he was the basically that everyone wanted him and playing next to upamecano is going to lift his game and the bundesliga is less competitive than Serie A. but like you're saying there is some fragility there but my my general point is the age balance of the team seems really good in that they have, you know, they have players like Kimmich and Coleman and players that should be entering their prime at this point alongside um, younger players and alongside, you know, more seasoned players like, like Mane. It just seems like, it seems like a a better mix than they've had, than than they've had for, for a while. Like if Kimmich is really, world class like we'll we'll see now if, if him and Sabitzer can actually run a midfield um versus some of these top English teams or if they're just gonna get you know run over which I think there's a chance they might same with Verratti and uh, Vitinha it's like can these guys really play against like a, a midfield three um from City or are they just gonna be running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to get the ball back um it's to be to be determined. Yeah I mean then you also have once Goreska comes back, it's like yeah, yeah, that's just stacked. I think they're stacked. It's <laughs> a big thing with um uh with the licked Juve, as you were saying when he was leaving Ajax, he was a really good ball playing central defender who was good all around, and it's just like, well, what did he have to pass to? He had like Adrian Rabio, sort of lazily you know checking into that midfield whereas here <laughs> i think the structure really helps especially with the the double pivot that they have like he always has an available pass and i think you know we can see his confidence on the ball because he knows he has more options his freer to to do more you know so okay so have we written off chelsea completely they just won two years ago that's not too far and you know i mean i have confidence in tuchel i think he could have won it with psg if he if Paris didn't have bars and nightlife, I mean, but but um, you don't, you guys not giving them any chance in the Champions League. Well, no. I mean, that's <laughs> just—it's a tough weekend to give them any credit, given uh, like we just mentioned Nagelsmann, I guess, and this sort of uh, the Red Bull mentality that, with. Jesse Marsh at, at Leeds is yeah, sort awful, of, awful match. Yeah. My God. Like they just overran. Like you can't deal with the press, then um, you know, I think Byron Chelsea wouldn't be a very good uh matchup right now for them. But in more seriousness, I don't I don't think that their problems of scoring goals is gonna are gonna be finished gone anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And until they address that, you know, if they can't also can't suddenly can't deal with the high press like this. Uh, they're in trouble, I think, in the Champions League. It's, yeah. It seems that the five in the back is a, a system that other teams can kind of figure out over time. So unless you have a consistent goal scorer in the front, 
they're, they're, they're going to score, you know, zero or one goals in the majority of their games. And so their defensive line, I mean, their defensive line, as good as it is, is, is just you're going to leak goals at a certain point. And who's going to get you the goals? Sterling? I mean, Havertz? Cucurella coming in on the wing? I, I mean, I don't I don't know what they're... What, Tuchel, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. No, no, just exactly about that defensive line. Like, this week, I, I think you're wasting Reese James by making him the right side of the back three. Right, right. And, like, and so, like, that's another... What is up with that? Why is he playing Loftus Cheek there? And why was he yeah. in a big match last year? He played Azbelacueta. I think in the FA Cup final, he played Azbelacueta yeah. as the as the wing back. And which James, is better? What than is the Loftus thought process? Cheek, right. I mean, like that's the thing. You know, the goal where Mendy makes the mistake and Brendan Aronson gets in. Uh, a lot of that has to do with like his that entire side of the pitch, where like no one is checking to the ball on the right side. That's why he's so pissed off at him afterwards. <laughs> uh, like if normally if you have James as a wing back and you don't have like Loftus Cheek looks lost about the quarter of the time, that's yeah. too much. So, <laughs> he, yeah, I think part of the issue thing is I think they'll look a lot better once he stops making these weird decisions and just plays a normal Chelsea side. But even then, the goals. But what about the goals? Yeah. Well, they lost three um, nil. Arsenal won three nil. Are they not in the Champions League and? What do you guys reckon? Is this finally Arsenal's year to? I well, can't say win the league. That's laughable, but um, at least comfortably come within the top four. I think this is the best Arsenal team I've seen in the last probably like. I mean, definitely since Wenger left, but even better than the Wenger teams of the last like three three years of his of his uh, tenure, which. I wish was still going. Um, it, it, the energy. Jesus has come in. I mean, absolutely on fire. And so, if that can, if that can maintain, the thing with Arsenal is they're always an injury away, which seems to be their their problem. Um, even in the end of the Wenger's tenure. Um, but if the if the if if Jesus, Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka can stay together. Um, that no one wants to play against against them. If you see how teams are slicing through Liverpool and City, I mean, that's a different level. Um, I don't think anyone's looking at that thinking we have a strategy to defend it against it. Um, so it's just going to get better and, and better and better, um, I think. And there's always the chance they sign a center midfielder in, you know, in, in the window in winter. Um yeah, I think I think so, Ram. Don't you think so? Yeah, I think it's their year, top of the table. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing is, Tottenham is. <laughs> you know, we haven't talked about Tottenham. We won't this week. Why? Why would you? Yeah, it, like it, the the type, type of team that can eke out wins over the long course of the season um, is. I, I think that's what you're seeing with an Antonio Conte team, and I love what Arsenal is doing now with everyone healthy, but. I just worry, like, for them, you know, 16 games through when everyone isn't available and you're playing um, Fulham again or something. Uh, are they going to consistently yeah. have this? That That's really what it comes down to for yeah, me. Yeah, come on, Ashwin. Come on, Ashwin. Break yeah, out of this sober mentality. You know you're excited about this. <laughs> it's, it's 10 years of being in New York. But the thing is, I there are two, there are two or three things that I, I still need 
I mean, would like to see. One is their opposition hasn't been the fiercest so far, even though they've won twice away, which is impressive. That I don't think they were winning comfortably or at all away from no. they've done that twice and kept clean sheets in both games. So that's, that, that's, that's really important. The second thing is once, like I've said this before, once the Europa League begins, how does Arteta manage the extra load? And I think that goes back to what both of you have said about injuries and um, fatigue and so on. So we've got a good core group, which is right. you know, on display right now, but you need squad depth, right, to last 38 games in the season and, and whatever else you end up playing in the in the Cups. Uh, the other thing is what, what Rehan just said, that grinding out victories, like even in the Wenger heyday, you knew that the Arsenal, which won in 2002 and 2004, of course, they played a certain quality of football. And even later, when they when they at least challenged, it was when they were winning, they're eking out the one nils, right? right? Or, or coming back from a goal down or two goals down and either getting a draw or going on to win those games. So that really shows the mentality, right? It's, 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 it's been good so far, but let's see. It was only when those things kind of happen when a certain belief really sets in that whatever the obstacle in front of you, um, it can be overcome, and um, both in a match and across a, across a season. So, I'm I'm still waiting. I mean, I think in two in a couple of weeks they play United away, and if if United still is on on an upward path, that that should be a good good match to but, see where both teams are. On the point of depth, though, we still you still have Smith Rowe, and you still we still haven't seen what Fabio Vieira, this kid, can do. So these are potentially, um, you know, there actually is potentially some squad depth rel- relative. Eddie Inket- Inketi is not really exciting that many people, but that's not a bad backup striker um, as, as far as these things go. And in terms of them not having faced fierce opposition, it's true, but granted Palace had a bad, um, you know, uh, off season in terms of their preparation or condensed rather, but they made Palace look very ordinary. And since then, Palace has shown themselves to be anything. But, I mean, I thought Palace would beat them first match. And, I mean, yeah, shout out to Wilfred Zaha. And because, as, you know, I found out only a couple, you know, like last year in an interview that he was doing that Arsenal had the chance to sign him. And they chose Nicola Pepe. Um, and it was basically the same amount of money. And Zaha was, you know, he's a London kid. And he's like, he was like, I was devastated. I wanted my chance. And yeah, it's it's kind of painful to see him. I mean, it's exciting to see him in SA running running things. But uh, the fact that Arsenal was able to to defeat Palace so handily shows shows me something based on, you know, what they just did to Villa. Well, time will tell, Mark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> soon enough, actually. Around, yeah, Nicola Pepe is, is, is gone, by the way. Thank God. Where is he? He's just moved to Nice. So yeah, he's come back to France. Yeah. yeah. Well, next week we'll have the Champions League groups. And next week, I think we have midweek matches in most of the leagues. So we have a lot to discuss. Thanks for joining us and see you next week.